You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul. I am in addiction recovery. Awesome. Awesome conversations we have had. It's okay to be sad. The grief pattern inventory, understanding intuitive instrumental. Then, you know, yesterday, bring it in with the focus. And I want to close uh, the focus loop because ever since I did that episode, I've been thinking about how I didn't mention breathing. And I get it's because I don't do a lot of it during this episode. (laughs) In my normal day-to-day life, I don't seem to talk as fast as I do. It's like I'm trying to get a ton of information out in a relatively short amount of time. And because I just like to bring in a lot of examples and hypotheticals and just, you know, create a very vivid view for all of you about what it is I'm talking about, I tend to talk fast. And that's actually considered auditory, digital, and visual in the neuro-linguistic programming world. I'm very much a thinker. I seek to understand. I'm very much oriented around why things are important, why I should know something. So in that process, I tend to lean heavily into those modalities of mine. I certainly understand that lots of people want to know the what, context, definitions, historical references, the hows. I think I bring a lot of how for everybody so that you can take action steps in your life because knowledge isn't power. It's the action you take from the knowledge. That's where your power is born. That's where it grows. That's where you can foster. And of course, I understand that for those of you who are kinesthetic out there who like to talk slower and breathe deeper and feel deeply, my speed may be off-putting. Little known thing, you can go into your favorite podcasting app and you can generally change the playback speed of what you're listening to. And you could, I don't know if Spotify does it, but I know it's able on Apple, maybe Pandora, definitely on Google, I'm pretty sure. Um, But I do this in Audible. I will speed up the books because people don't talk fast enough for me. You can actually slow them down as well. So go check out your favorite podcasting app and see if you can do that. When I flip these things to video in 2024, and I'll still be doing them as audios as well. I'll just also have a video version. Whether that'll be the same episode or not, I'm not quite sure yet. But we'll figure that out as we go along. And so I... Back to the whole point is I didn't mention breathing at all because as much as I have been practicing my meditation and my breathing exercises, I can't always say that um, I'm as focused on what my breath is doing at any given time. But certainly when you are looking to focus, breathing is a very good way of being able to create that stability and that groundedness within you. So when you're noticing your mind floating away, um, if you do meditate, then you obviously were going to have some practice at working on bringing your mind back. Um, Around meditation, I know a lot of people like to utilize that as a focus mechanism. I have worked with many people who are very adept at breathing, teaching classes, running whole businesses around breathing and meditation. One of the coolest things they once taught me, or told me at least, whether whether I chose to learn it or not, I suppose is my own prerogative was that meditation isn't about clearing the mind and having it be like a blank canvas. It's more about understanding that when it does drift off, to bring it back and center it into your breathing and focus on the now. 
And it was really cool hearing that because I do tend to daydream and float off and create these magical stories while I'm listening to my binaural beats when I meditate. And it's good to know that while sometimes I allow that little make-believe dream in my head while I'm meditating to play itself all the way through to the credits, other times I just like, no, this isn't what I want to be thinking about. And I bring it back through the breathing. I also enjoy meditating while walking, uh, oftentimes with my AirPods in my ears, but no actual sound playing. It's comforting in an odd way to just have the earpods in there, but there not being any sound. And uh, certainly really cool when you're walking around an area where people are and you want to do this because people won't talk to you if you have your earpods in. So if you want to walk around a park and just enjoy the silent serenity of the squirrels running and the birds chirping, but you don't necessarily want to be interrupted by anybody uh, with casual conversation, pop your AirPods in and I'm pretty sure you won't get bothered all that much. So breathing and meditating are great ways of bringing in focus. So I would highly recommend that on top of what I discussed yesterday, that you also keep those in mind if you're looking to reel yourself in as you go off to la la land in your brain and are trying to figure out different ways to focus yourself. I just paused the microphone to do a quick breathing exercise to bring myself down a little bit. And it is amazing how well that works. I do a four two four. So it's inhale for four, hold for two, exhale for four. And doing that three or four times in a row really does help ground. And so I feel complete with yesterday's focus episode. And let's roll right into today's. And we're going to bring back one of my old favorites, reaction versus response. Emotionally triggered versus emotionally grounded. I know from watching some social media and hearing from some of the tribal members and clients and such that triggered can be a bit of a triggering word, which is uh, not lost on me. You know, I can understand that we all have different reactions and responses to words. So as I use the word triggered in this episode, if you prefer activated, if you prefer, um, yeah, that's really it. I mean, I, I was trying to think of another one off the top of my head. Sorry, it did not come. Um, activated, triggered, anchored. Um, sometimes people, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, you know, that was an anchor. I tripped over. Um, tripped is another one. See, see, to me, triggered or tripped or activated would be what you would do with an anchor. And an anchor is anything that will recall you back to a previous behavior. An anchor could be one for happiness. The happy birthday song starts getting sung and people you know, start to smile. They get excited. Um, there's an anchor around a red light and what we do with red lights or green lights. Um, anchors with what we do with doorknobs. So an anchor is just anything that activates a pattern loop, a habit loop, a, an active loop. So you can just think of that. You know, An anchor would be something that you would... Uh, perhaps you would turn down the same street that you used to always turn down on your way to your drug dealer's house. And all of a sudden you feel really antsy and full of anxiety and the cravings start to kick in. Well, you've accidentally activated a anchor for previous behaviors. And these things are so ingrained in your unconscious mind. And there's so many. I mean, to say that there's an infinite amount of anchors in your life probably wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a slight exaggeration. Just as much as there's you know, sand grains on the beaches of the planet, there are things that will begin to activate your different pattern loops. And when we think about reaction versus response, and I've done a couple different episodes on this um, for the College Success Habits show. I did it on, uh, it was episode 142. 
looking over my show notes, it appears that uh, number 169, I talked about stimulus, choice, reaction, response. Episode 126, the space between the stimulus and the reaction or the response. Also briefly mentioned this in episode 10, emotional maturity. Um, Back in 232, breaking through the stigma. There were some conversations about this. Also in 222, early sobriety, 228, seven powerful principles, 51, patience, 46, maturity and growth. And what's really cool is I learned that in Trello, where I keep all my show notes, you can actually search and just search a particular word. And if it happens to show up anywhere in the show notes, then it pops up on this list. A bummer about this, though, is that... I often don't prepare show notes and I just have a couple of things I want to say, maybe a few bullet points. And then I just hop on the microphone and just start spouting off all the things that I know about that or what I've experienced and clients have introduced me to and yada, yada, yada. And when it comes to reaction versus response, emotionally grounded versus emotionally triggered, this is an easy one to talk about because we all have this in our lives. And so I'm going to break down reaction response and triggered and grounded And that might be what we discuss on this episode. Um, It is Christmas Eve. And for a lot of y'all, if you are listening to these linearly, then you're going to be doing some family things today. And just like we talked about expectations being the leading cause of disappointment, when you have expectations about things that you would like to have happen, it's based off of previous experiences and social norms and what you've seen others experience. Another thing to take into account when you get around people who you might be triggered by is that when they are near you, they might say things that that trip over an anchor. And now you've got a particular set of behaviors wrapped around. Uh, if your mom's like, honey, make sure you put your dishes in the dishwasher. Why is there dust on your bookshelf? It could be any number of things that you might feel belittle you or degrade you or just talk down to you or just otherwise elicit some level of an emotion inside of you that doesn't feel comfortable. Again, always remember it's your choice to feel that way. And you could just simply be like, oh, mom, you're so goofy. Thank you for reminding me. Or you could be like, bitch, shut the hell up. I mean, it's it's your call, really. You choose which one of those paths you want to go down. But if you're looking at having a copacetic Christmas, let's talk about that. Reaction versus response. When you react, okay, that's when you just go with your base level emotional response. Remember, everything that comes into our existence comes in through our spinal column and travels up through the brain, uh, and it has to pass by the emotions ghetto before it can get to the prefrontal cortex where your rational thought is. That emotional ghetto is the limbic system. It's the amygdala. It's where we have our um, serotonin production. It's where we get our emotions and where our our ability to uh, just quote-unquote, act maturely, that is where that kind of emotional centered comes in within that limbic system. And so when you think about the amygdala and how the prefrontal cortex are going to be interacting in these situations where you might be getting triggered, your base level response, like when fight, flight, freeze, or fawn is activated, that's going to be your reaction mode. And that's what happens when we're emotionally triggered. When we get emotionally triggered, we're just going to... You know, I call it vipering. You ever catch yourself? You just, you just like you just, you just fucking lash real fast, and it ha- it can take it can be five seconds, and all of a sudden, you know, now you got to apologize for an hour over behavior you made for five seconds because your emotional centered wasn't there. You weren't able to ground yourself in that moment and choose a different response. Response is when we're emotionally grounded. 
It's, it allows us to breathe in when somebody says something, when somebody does something, whenever we hear, see, feel, taste, smell, whatever it might be, something. And we allow that information to make its way through the emotions ghetto and get up to the rational thought in the front of our brain. Very interesting that the human brain evolved to have emotions be the first thing information had to pass through in order to get to rational thought. My theory on this, without having done any research whatsoever, is that it was a fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response from back in the day. If we sat there and heard a stick crack behind us, and then our rational mind wanted to be like, well, there's many different variables that could be taken into account as we deliberate deliberate very strategically on where exactly that sound came from and what could have caused it. Can we please get the whiteboard out? Let's discuss thoroughly. That is probably not (laughs) the best (laughs) response that you would want to have to a stick cracking behind you 10,000 years ago when everything wants to kill you. Imagine Australia was somewhere we always could be. And that was where everybody lived all the time. That's what I imagined 10,000 years ago was. That, you know, there was no roads, there was no cities, there wasn't a Walgreens and a Walmart. It was just wilderness as far as the eye can see, which means that the Mother Nature ruled and we were just merely part of the food chain. We were not an apex predator on the food chain. And certainly we were probably eaten just as much as we ate. So you want the emotion center, the limbic system, when it hears that twig snap to immediately get into the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn mechanism. It's like, what are we going to do? Are we going to turn around and fight it? Are we going to run from it? Let's not sit here and think about what just made that stick crack. Let's react to it. Now you've got this evolutionary timeline where for thousands of years, When the environment got super quiet or got super loud, we would want to attune ourselves to what's going on around us. Situational Awareness 101. You do that for thousands upon thousands of years, and now we find ourselves here in a relatively safe society, at least Western civilizations for the most part. I mean, yes, we've got school shootings and crime and things of that nature, but for the most part... It's not like we're living in some areas of the world where people have to worry about bombs going off uh, in the middle of their farmer's market on a normal everyday Wednesday. So here we've got a relatively safe environment, as I said. So we have an opportunity to respond to these stimuli that are coming at us from all around. Um, Now, let's go into this on the addiction level. On the addiction level, we're already putting in a substance that is going to start to morph our brains. It's going to start to degrade it. It's going to change it. Keeping in mind that every 70 years, I believe, every single cell in the human body has recycled. So if you have been doing drugs or alcohol for quite some time, especially above seven years, then all of your cells would have regenerated with this basically like viral component inside your body, this horrible poisonous bacteria of alcohol and drugs. Now, your skin cells and things of that nature, they're recycling way more often than seven years. So you have to imagine that certain parts of your body are just part of their 
makeup, their DNA, their chromosomal matter, if you will, is literally this alcohol and booze. It, it is these components that are going in there. And I'm not saying we change our chromosomes because that's stuff that is figured out while we are being created within the womb. But certainly um, our cellular structure is being morphed. It's being changed. And when our cells recycle, if you've got alcohol and drugs in your system, don't you think that that's going to start to make up part of that cellular regeneration? You can already see what's happening with our food and us continuously filling them up with uh, growth hormones and antibiotics and things of that nature. So now we're contaminating our food and then we wonder why we are having uh, females start their cycle at a much younger age than ever has happened in the history of mankind. Why you see 11-year-old boys with mustaches. Um, It's people hitting puberty and they're doing so because of what we are doing to our food. Now imagine if that's just what we're doing to our food, and then that gets into our system, and then that changes um, people's bodies. Imagine what would happen if you were actually just consuming that yourself. It'd be like if you were just shooting the the steroids straight into your own butt. That would be a much harsher effect on your body. Now, let's bring this back to alcohol and drugs. Smoking the crack and snorting the cocaine and, you know, taking the kratom and the marijuana and all the liquor and the booze, that is going to dramatically change your body. When that happens, now we begin to affect the brain. And when we've affected the brain, it's mechanisms for, I would say, balancing out for centering us emotionally is going to be affected. This is why whenever you first get sober, you might find that you have um, very harsh mood swings. It might be why it's hard for you to find things enjoyable when you're sober, because we've literally messed with the barometer inside of our heads that allows us to feel emotions the way, let's say, a normal everyday drinker, a take it or leave it drinker would. Now, Let's continue to grow this down in the path that we are on when we think about reaction versus response. So we've messed with our cellular structure. We've altered the barometer at which we can feel enjoyment, which means we've also altered the barometer at which we can handle the non-enjoyable emotions. And now we get ourselves into a situation that can be triggering, that can activate an anchor. And we're sitting here as somebody in, you know, again, you could be pre-contemplation and planning sobriety or already in the initial stages. Hell, I'm coming up on seven years and I still have emotional mood swings. And I say still like I ever thought they'd go away. I will, we're humans. It's going to happen. No matter how much we try to clean up our anchors and heal our trauma and our, and our sufferings from the past, there's going to be these anchors. All the NLP in the world isn't going to be able to pull up the infinite amount. <laughs> like I said before, you think that you can somehow get a vacuum and, and vacuum up all the grains of sand on the planet? That would be you trying to go inside your mind and heal every single one of your anchors. So somebody or something or yourself, you know, touch, taste, sight, sound, smell, triggers one of these things off. Now you're either going to react or you're going to respond. The longer you have been in sobriety and recovery, recovery, certainly the longer you may have created that gap. This is why one of the episodes was called The Space Between. Again, go back to 126 to hear that one. Because you have that space between from when the stimulus first enters your awareness to when you react or respond. The longer you can take in that gap, so somebody's, you know, 
somebody at Christmas dinner is just like, your hair looks stupid. You smell like booze. You're such a loser because you dropped out of school. Hey, mom's purse is over there. Make sure you don't steal 20 bucks so you can go buy some smack for it, right? Like whatever is said. That's the stimuli entering into your awareness. If you say much of anything within that first millisecond, it's probably going to be a reaction because you're going to be emotionally triggered by whatever was said. The more you can expand that gap, that you can create a space between the stimulus and what happens next, that's going to be the difference between reaction and response. That's going to be the difference between emotionally triggered and emotionally grounded. The longer you can go before you do anything at all, that's going to give you a better opportunity to respond. And when you get into these situations, holidays or not, it could be birthdays, bar mitzvahs, it could be anytime anyone gathers. Hell, it can happen at a networking event at work and somebody can make a comment about your shoes and you, know, and you spent an hour deliberating on your outfit and now somebody goes off poppycocked and says some stupid stuff to you and now you feel less than and your self-esteem is lowered because they made a comment about how your socks don't match your shoes or your belt is on backwards or your shirt's inside out and now you feel less than and generally when a child feels less than and they feel thus attacked they're either going to you know curl up in a ball get in their own little cocoon and bubble and shut down or they're going to lash out we don't want to cocoon and bubble up, right? We want to feel confident, roll our shoulders back, feel like we are grounded and, you know, just simply be like, well, cool. Thanks for your opinion. Uh, one of my favorites is, well, thank you so much for your unsolicited opinion. And then just move on with the conversation. Uh, it's a nice little, nice little elbow in the ribs whenever, because it's like, just, you don't have to make a point of everything that goes through your brain does not need to come out of your mouth. And you have an opportunity also, when somebody says something off poppycocked, that you can create a space between and respond and not lash back out at them. Because that could just be feeding their devil, and it could be exactly what they want in that moment. It's just to get you off kilter. And then they might be like, oh, see, you haven't really changed. You're still just the biggest a-hole that you ever were. You just got three months of sobriety. Oh, you loser. It's just only a matter of time before you go back and use again. Here, you want my car keys? Why don't you just go back down to the smack house and get all down and with it, you freaking loser. Right? Whatever they say to you. <laughs> just realize that that's a projection of their own insecurities inside them. And people do that. People will call you out for things because they have their own insecurities they haven't dealt with. And what's really interesting whenever you get into sobriety and recovery, especially if you're still hanging out with the people who remember the older version of you, is that you might get them reacting in very peculiar ways. They could talk shit to you and like openly to your face or behind your back for a couple of reasons, but two really stand out. Either one, they have to now look at themselves in the mirror and question their own behavior because you were able to do it. And if they thought you were way worse than them, then why aren't they making a change? Or then they just, or they have to play mental gymnastics. They have to convince themselves that whatever's up with you isn't up with them. So they're either going to look at themselves in the mirror and question their behavior, or they're going to try to justify their behavior. And those are the two big ones that you'll notice a lot. And when that happens, they could lash out and you are going to be put in a position to either react or respond. So whether it's the holiday season or whether it's just every given Tuesday, I want you to remember that everything around you is a stimulus. 
and is putting you in a position to either react, emotionally triggered, or respond, emotionally grounded. Creating that space between, and it will take practice, I can assure you. I have gotten into some vicious arguments with the girlfriend, and I do an after-action report when I get back up to my office when cooler heads can prevail. And I ask myself, okay, what exactly did she say that triggered me? What was my response time? What was my reaction time? What was it I was thinking when she said that? Where could this actually just be an anchor inside of me and maybe it had nothing to do with her? What are some ways I could respond differently next time? What are some ways that I could increase the reaction time next time? And I literally will do these things. And I noticed over, especially in year two, I really noticed that the more I did after action reports and the more I thought about the things after they were done and I was no longer emotionally triggered, I realized a lot of the reason that the whole thing went the way it went regardless of whatever she did, was because I didn't necessarily choose to respond. I just reacted. And that's some healing for me to do. That's some shadow work I've got going on. Sure. Are there times where the tone's a little off-putting? Are there times where the side eye is a little unnerving? Are there times where I prefer she behaved one way and you know instead of another? Sure. Expectations, expectations, expectations. Leading cause of what? Wait for it. You know the answer to that one. So just be mindful that stimuluses are everywhere. And there are certain ones that you just... It's like water off of a duck's back. You don't even notice them. And there's other ones you're just like... (laughs) You have a choice. Emotionally react or get emotionally grounded. It's all about creating that space between. Do it. Practice it. Do an after-action report. Figure out what's going on inside your head. And regardless of what anybody else does, you will have more control over your system. It's one of the presuppositions of NLP. The person with the most flexibility has control of the system. And the system is you. You are your system. The more you can manage and monitor and create the kind of responses you want rather than reacting emotionally like a cave person when they hear a twig behind them, the more you allow yourself a chance to actually choose the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And the beautiful thing about it is if you get yourself emotionally grounded enough, those aren't even your four best options anymore. You will figure this out. It's going to take practice and it's going to take time. Your brain has been manipulated by the poison. Be patient with yourself. You will get here. But just remember that here isn't an actual place. It's just further along than where you're at now. All right, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. Shout out to Sunshine and Robert. Glow on. We will see you tomorrow. And if you'd like to know more about how to get involved in what I've created here at the From Sobriety to Recovery universe, go to jessemogul.com slash ask me, fill out the form. I will get a hold of you. Check your inbox for at jessemogul, and I assure you I will reach back out. All right, my friends, see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.